Hello, and welcome back to Eventide Radio, a fan-made Destiny podcast where we have roundtable discussions about a variety of topics concerning the popular video game franchise. At its core, this show is about having in-depth discussions about the game from a variety of different perspectives. I'm your host, Scotty, and with me are my co-hosts. Um, I have Rob and Robbie today. Will is out, and I have just returned, so I'm back. Um, so to preview our topics for today, we're going to talk um, what we like to do at the end of the season, um, our favorite strikes, and builds like our favorite builds that we've made so um rob uh what's something interesting you did this week in destiny uh just continuing to chip away at that fate breaker title still don't have effects which is uh (laughs) we don't need to talk about that anymore uh and having fun doing uh double rewards on gms this week so pretty awesome tweet and robbie I also got done my challenge, my weekly challenge. It was it was an interesting one. Uh, a lot of we started calling them checkpoint snipers in LFG, uh, which you know uh, I guess it was bound to happen considering nobody kind of cares about finishing the raid. And uh, I don't know the GM. Actually, I didn't farm it as much this week. I, I gotta be honest, but uh, I had fun just doing things like it, it's that part of the season where. I feel more free to do kind of what I want instead of like what I feel like I should be working on. So Mm -hmm. that's also a bit refreshing. Mm -hmm. And that is a perfect segue into our first topic. So yeah, we're coming down to the end of the season here and there's not a lot going on. In fact, there's like nothing going on. So this has happened before in Destiny. This is a normal thing that happens in the lifespan of the game and in seasons and whatever. And you know, I guess everyone kind of likes to do different things within the game. And at the end of the season, everybody does. Like you said, Robbie, you know, you have freedom to do whatever you feel, you know, most, you know, happy playing, um, most accomplished, whatever. So we want to talk about what we like to do at the end of the season ourselves. Um, Rob, for you, what's what's something you like to do at the end of the season? Yeah, for sure. Um, so. I I kind of echo what Robbie said, where there's a little bit of freedom and flexibility. And uh, to be honest, I will, you know, wait until sometimes there's that kind of lull. uh, And there's a few challenges that maybe I've I've got in my book that I haven't finished up yet. Uh, Some of the ones that are probably a little more tedious. And it's like, you know, when I get to them, I'll get to them. And this is typically the time that I do that. Try to up my triumph score a little bit. Sometimes I'll just kind of farm random, you know, I feel like just doing strikes for a while. Uh, typically, this is also where I like to spend a lot of time in Crucible because it's like you spend all season trying to get all new weapons. And then it's like, well, what do you do with them? Yeah, certainly you can use them in PvE, but certainly some of the roles are a little more PvP friendly. So you might as well go in the Crucible and, and try them out. So, um, yeah, when there's not any quote unquote obligations in the game to get anything done. Uh, it's a good time to just kind of goof around and, and screw around um, and play with with new builds and things like that, which is one of the other topics that we'll talk about today. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's nice having that flexibility. Uh, and I will say I I was very apprehensive at the the very season heavy kind of approach to the game. Um, but the way they've been doing it, where they kind of front load the content at the beginning of the season, there's usually something like right at the very, very end that kind of leads into the next season uh but they do give you a couple weeks to catch your breath do some other things uh farm some bounties if you want to get ready for the next season 
Uh, or, you know, if you actually need to finish certain things from the prior weeks that you didn't get done, you've got that opportunity as well. So it's it's nice that it's not like every single week there's something you feel like you need to get done. Um, but there's still something if you're even kind of a, a lengthy player like we got Iron Banner coming out next week, uh, which is great because if it's like, hey, you know, if I haven't done Iron Banner in a while, still want to get a good Reese Walker or something like that, you've got that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I love the the low pressure environment. I am one of those people that ends up playing catch up with a lot of stuff. I know whether it be like previous previous seasonal stuff or um looking at my quest log right now, I've got like beyond light stuff to do, like yep. um, empire hunts or some some Varric's bounty. I like honestly I like patrolling sometimes and like exploring places, just enjoying the environment that they've created. I particularly enjoy, you know, Europa and Dreaming City are really fun to explore. And just doing, you know, meaningless kind of stuff in Destiny that I didn't really get a chance to explore normally during the season because it doesn't like reward anything relevant. So that way I maybe ignored it or something. So it's fun to go. I like doing solo content at the end of the season, I think. Cool. Robbie, what what do you what do you do? I too love the Dreaming City. Uh, this season for me was a funny one because I think I went back to other things. I think I kept talking about this for the last couple episodes, but I just keep doing Radmore hunts, honestly. And that's kind of like a weird thing to say because like, I could be doing overrides or you know corrupted expunges or something, but no, I'm still... like I guess it's my fear that it's been... It's going to be three seasons that that thing's out and it's probably going away. So I kind of want to get like my actual actual god roll out of uh, some of those guns before it goes away. Plus, I don't know, it's it's easy and fun to go back to because it doesn't feel like I've I've been doing it for months now. And that one's like one I've been doing uh, Dreaming City wise. Also, Shatter Throne now that the guns are actually dropping. Yeah. So you can get the Tiger Spite and some other pretty fun things dropping finally. So we've been going back to Shattered Throne a bunch. And especially, I mean, for me, honestly, once the season starts, you know, cooling down a little bit like this, I do help people who are trying to catch up to, you know, the, the usual uh, vault of glass here and there for for someone who doesn't have the backs yet. And yeah. <laughs> Way to twist that knife. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also going back to the older rates, like, at the beginning of the season, for the first few, actually, couple months at least, like nobody wants to touch anything else. But we've gone back to Last Wish um, a few times a week at least, and that's that's been really cool. Like I love that raid, and uh, people, I guess, are you know looking for something else to do right now that it's also fun and uh, willing to like even learn because some of them have never done those raids. So right. yeah, that that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's fun going back and doing legacy content. And you mentioned Wrathborn hunts, and I also like Wrathborn hunts. I think they're cool. I like that it's like a solo thing, and I like that they're really short. Yes, definitely. Robbie, Robbie, are you looking for any god roll in particular of what of what gun? I'm curious because of a lot of like the only good one I can think of, or good one, just in my opinion, is Deafening Whisper. Yes, uh, Deafening Whisper with. Well, I have one um, because so of the four columns, right? You on the second one, the the grenades you can actually get. The, there's no rolls. You always get the same two, 
which most people I think don't know, because there's no spike grenades or proximity grenades or anything like that, because it's a wave frame. Because it's a wave so, frame, yeah. Yeah. So it only has high velocity and a different one. I don't remember the name, but you have those two and that's it. There's not going to be a different one. And uh, and the masterwork, of course, I want a better one. So, But the ones I want is Ambitious Assassin and Unrelenting, which sounds kind of weird because every time I get something with Unrelenting, I instantly delete it. But I swear you not, this is the only gun where Unrelenting is like actually overpowered. It's amazing, especially in Vault of Glass or in any content when you have like a lot of, you know, little red bars to shoot. The fact that that thing just heals you mm. and, and kills everything in its path is it's just, it's too much. It's, it's a great PvE gun. Unrelenting on a Defending Whisper is amazing. Okay. Cool. Cool. I did. I didn't know that. I'll have to check that out because I, I do love Deafening Whisper and Waveframe nade launchers. Um, I guess to shift the conversation back to um, what we were originally talking about, what we do at the end of the season. Rob, do you play any other games during the end of the season, or do you stick with Destiny? Uh, good question. I this is going to probably be poked at quite a bit. Uh, I will typically, depending on like when I feel like I've kind of I'm good with the season like I've got to a good point I've got the titles I want to get I you know I don't feel like embarking on anything else um I will ap- actually sometimes go and play Destiny 1 uh I primarily played on PlayStation 4 uh throughout kind of the lifespan of the game uh but I during uh Destiny 2's release uh during like Curse of Osiris when there's a lot more lulls in the game uh I started like an Xbox uh, One account on Destiny One, and every once in a while, I'll go and like try to do some of the raids and challenges with those characters, and and try to earn some of the stuff. And sometimes I'll make a new character and just kind of for for laughs and and go through some of the campaign and stuff. Um, so I sometimes I'll do that. There's also mm-hmm. a, a plethora of other games that I uh, either will go back and play around with, or or try to dive into some new stuff like. Every time there's a steam a steam sale, I typically pick something up and then like, oh, I'll start playing it. But then we, in reality, we all know I'm just going to play Destiny. Uh, so I I don't touch them for months on end. <laughs> I I try to go back and like engage in something else or try to finish something else. Or um, so yeah, it it, it just kind of depends if I feel like I'm at a good spot where in Destiny two, where if I don't play for a couple weeks and then pick it up, like nothing's nothing's changed, if you will. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. Robbie, what about you? Are you the same? Yeah, I also feel like you know. I mean, even besides the usual end of the season thing, I think I do play other games. Like, I don't. I guess I do play maybe too much Destiny. I'm not gonna lie, but I think I still play too much Destiny even now. Maybe a little bit less. That's true. I think there's a, a healthy relationship with gaming that everybody should have you know like you're not married to a game it's it's good to go and see the competition and and see what they offer and uh, or even other genres because you know um sometimes i like to go when i have the time now like i have a day and i feel like well my friends maybe not on and there's nothing like i want to like chase after i'll go into like a solo game which is not my usual so there's been one that's called death's door it's kind of like a third-person Zelda-looking RPG that looks like a Miyazaki movie. It, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. It's it's really nice. And uh, the usual, I guess, I'm 
I, I like Minecraft and uh, other RPGs and my guilty pleasure, as uh, some of you might know by my handle on Twitter or Xbox or anywhere else, is like I really like racing games. So I have a, a you know, one of those four-speed back steering wheels, and I'll I'll just sit down and like have like a fifty-lap uh, race, and just you know be concentrated <laughs> into that for like half an hour or an hour or something. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a guilty pleasure. So that's super cool. By you, then, Scotty. I guess um, for for me, um, I guess it depends on where I am in life, what's going on in my personal life, and you know what games, what other games I I've, I've been playing at the moment. I'm still playing Destiny. Um, I, I guess Destiny's always kind of the the world I would escape to because it's. I just think it's super cool. I mean, I I love it a lot, and I guess I'll play other games if maybe my friends are playing other games. Um. You know, it depends on what they're playing, maybe. But right now, I'm playing Destiny. Um, I had a follow-up question for you guys. Since you guys are mentioning playing other games, when you guys do play other games, do you guys play any other MMORPGs? Because personally for me, because of, you know, the way Destiny is, where it is designed like this, this giant thing, and it is as time-consuming as it is, I don't play any other big MMORPGs like Destiny. Do you guys play any other ones? No. My my typical guilty pleasure uh if if I'm not playing Destiny is I like to play like more contained where I know that there's kind of a beginning, middle and end. Um and like I I like to play Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. That's always like that's that game's in my top 3 or 5 of all time. Uh, and so I'll go through and, and make like a random character and see how far I feel like uh, going into some like dark corner of my internal self-actualization of am I just going to be like some rogue psycho who blows people up for like four hours. <laughs> um, and then if if I don't finish it because the next season comes out, I don't feel guilty at all. And I never have to own up to the horrible things that I've done in the wasteland. So. I do play mm-hmm. other ones. What's that? Do the campaign stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll do. I'll yeah. do like a. I'll just go through like a. Uh, like I said, I'll start a fresh character and just go through the the quest line. Uh, and sometimes I'll just pick a direction and go off and see how far I get before I'm like, this is a horrible build and a horrible idea. I need to move on. Robbie, you were saying you 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 do play other MMORPGs? Yeah, I, I I do play some other ones a little bit, but I think that's I mean that's kind of what I said before, right? Like it's okay to be a casual <laughs> in other places. <laughs> so like when I'm in Destiny now, <laughs> yeah. I see a guy who hasn't finished his you know his season pass and it's almost over. And I'm like, well, I don't know if he started late or he's just like a weekend warrior or, you know, he doesn't really care that much. So I think I'm like, I'm that guy, but in other games. So I'll jump in, Mm -hmm. especially with friends. And I think that's the point. Like, you know, sometimes um, there's similar games, even just when you feel like, you know, changing flavors a little bit, Uh, at least for us uh, on on Xbox, we have uh, Fantasy Star Online, which is actually very similar in in certain ways to, to destiny i mean it's a third person shooter but it's still kind of a shooter and a lot of things can be you know correlated so 
it's kind of cool to go in there and try to do like a difficult boss or something and then you know just do that for like a little bit and then keep doing what you were doing so yeah i i do i do go play some other stuff and i i'm happy to say that yeah it's, it's okay to be a casual too mm-hmm. but destiny is still kind of your hardcore game that you play oh, like the yeah. one you're most invested in yeah i think it's like just kind of like you put it before right uh I mean, gaming, especially since, you know, everybody had to kind of stay indoors and, and all these things. Like, for me, at least, a lot of my actual time with friends for, for a while uh, became just, like, online time with friends. Because, you know, we couldn't meet, uh, or we couldn't meet as easily as we used to, or, or as often. So, spending time online became, like, you know, something special for us as well. And then, just the fact that you make your character, you have your stories. Like, we remember days when we did certain things and stuff. So, like, I feel like my character has, like, a life kind of on its own, kind of, like, some people who used to... Well, Mm -hmm. before I moved back to NA, I was in, like, a very hardcore classic classic WoW guild. And, you know, that that also had their, their things, like, you know, friendship, but also, like, a lot of work just to do something once a week or something. And... This one doesn't feel as hardcore as that, so I feel like you build your story in this universe, and if you enjoy it, which I think is like one of the best parts about Destiny, like you you can still find something about the lore, or go do some you know random lost sector somewhere that you never done before, just because it's not like on the rotation, but you know it's it's new still. So I think the mm-hmm. world's there to to kind of create your own story. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I feel like I am. You know, I, I I try to become like my character a little bit. So, yeah, I, I definitely my main my main online life is uh, is dedicated to Destiny. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I another thing I like doing. I guess this this isn't really an end of the season thing, but you mentioned uh, you know just reading the the lore, and I I think it's is it's huge. And there's there's so many lore tabs like I haven't read yet, and there's always thing I feel like there's just like an item or it has a little tab or favorite text or something that you haven't like read yet. And it's fun. It, one of the things I love about Disney, I was thinking about this, I don't know, the other week. I was playing like rounds of, of comp or something or elimination. And in between rounds of elimination, I w- was reading like the lore tab for Shara's Wrath, reading about like, you know, this sci-fi story which i think is super cool and i don't think there's a lot of other games that are like that where you can have like a competitive first person shooter that also has like in between i'm like reading like deep nerdy lore stuff which i think <laughs> is really cool yeah totally the guns too like even besides the books that you can find in the lore tab well one that comes to mind straight away is the the rocket launcher from uh, from Last Wish. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but go check that one out. That's uh, that's a really interesting one. So that's that cool. One, that, Apex yeah, you, Predator. The Apex Predator. Yeah, that one. Go, go check out the lore on that one and see what that rocket launcher actually is. Because I think you'll be surprised. Um, <laughs> maybe we can you know mention that uh, next week if you guys figured it out or not. But 
that the yeah it's it's everywhere the the lore is like you know on the strikes and just the cutscenes <laughs> like not there but uh, the the guns too Ch check the guns check the armor some of the armor pieces as well they have like really interesting texts mm -hmm. that a lot of people just you know they they never look at it but it's a, it's a very vast and deep like world that they brought to us and i think you know one of the reasons a lot of us enjoy it for sure and it's not like I'm, I know everything. That's the point that you just made, you know, like, I think even us that are so much into the game, maybe more than most people, we, we still find, like, those moments of satisfaction where you're like, oh, wow, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's really nice. Definitely. I, I, I completely agree. I think mm -hmm. one Absolutely. of the things that keeps one of the things that keeps the game interesting and engaging is there's always something to read uh, or something new that you're like, oh, I really like this gun. I didn't realize there was all this uh, deep-rooted, like, lore within, you know, just this one tab that, that you can go down some rabbit hole and and then, sure enough, three other people have made videos about it and you can start learning more about it and it's it's pretty cool. And we talked about this, like, either last week or the week before, that, that idea of, of like Thorn and Last Word having this sort of like very deep history and and how it's so like synonymous with the game and the IP as a whole uh, and all of that feels so special because of of the time that's taken into developing all of these um, ideas and and the lore behind it. Yeah, and don't forget Lumina. Come mm -hmm. on, man. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. In that sort of the, the redemption poor of Thorn. Lumina. Yeah. No, nobody cares about the poor Lumina. Man. Oh, nobody Lumina. remembers Lumina. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's such a great story. Like they, they could make that into a movie, and I would watch that. Like that's yeah, that's a pretty good one. Totally. And then, all right, so I'll mention one more thing before we shift shift topics. One more thing that I like to do at the end of the seasons is uh, use weapons that I like never would use ever in my life for anything. Um, like I got the rare bow that they added in Chosen. I thought mm. that was cool. I'm like, I'm going to mess around with this random blue bow that has never been added until now. And just, you know, weird stuff like that. It's fun to mess oh. around with, with, with guns that aren't good, even if, they, if they're fun to use. You know, run into patrol, even if you're not taking it into like a strike or crucible or something, you can just play with it like it's a toy. Totally. Yeah, that's that's. So I guess our next topic. Then. Oh, go ahead. But before yeah, before you finish that one, that's like the one last thing that I do at the end of the season is like it kind of feels like spring cleaning, but I'll go through my vault. Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> and really, really get rid of the things I don't want, and especially I think for for the <laughs> seasonal weapons because sometimes I like at the beginning of the season I don't know what I'm gonna like or what I'm not gonna like of a gun, so I tend to keep like maybe too many copies of the same one. And so now I, I like just like you said, I'll go into a strike and take like you know three grid skippers and just switch them around and feel like oh this one feels like way better than the other one. <laughs> and, uh, That's a good idea. Yeah, so, so it's like a good time to just like you know mess around with those seasonal ones and and, and figure out because you know people will recommend you the god rolls and and stuff like that it can be based on perks and stats and stuff. But you feel the weapons too. Like there's so many options and uh, it's so fun to play with them. I really got to clean my vault. I have like seven perfect paradoxes from that one thing in Dawn where you like deposit a bunch of fractalin or whatever the thing was and you got like a bunch of perfect paradoxes. So I have like seven of them. Like 
I was just in all of them. I'm like, they're all good. Like, what if this right. is like really good someday? But it's sunset. It's hard to part with. Yeah. But it's sunset. But like, even like sunset guns, I still hold on to because oh, it's know. still yeah, sunset guns still work in like Shattered Throne, Last Wish, Garden, Pit of Heresy, Prophecy. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, it's so hard to part with. No, anyways, I, I. Moving on to our next. Topic. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I was sorry. Say, I, I, no, I, I've, I've got kind of a handful that I like can't bring myself to, to dismantle either because I've got like a huge kill count or just because, you know, I, I really enjoy the way it feels. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You can use it in Crucible. You can use it in a lot of other lower end content. So, but how many are you going to use all seven of those perfect paradoxes? That's all I'll say and tease you. Probably not. Yeah. Just a mortar. That's true. And and just to keep the, the topic going, because I feel that that's a trend right now, um, just to remind everybody, if they haven't done it, because I, I think that this is the perfect time to do it, also to remind myself, before Breach and Clear is gone, those solo dungeons, like, that's this is the perfect time to do it, before, you know, the artifact completely changes into something that might make it a bit harder. So if you still want that, like, really cool ghost shell from Prophecy, you know, this downtime might be the perfect opportunity. Excellent suggestion. I agree. I agree. So on to our next topic, we are talking about our favorite strikes from either D1 or D2. Or maybe we can separate that. We'll, we'll, we'll group them together for this. And then so we're going to um, we'll go around the, the metaphorical table <laughs> and say our favorite strikes from just like strikes as a whole. And then we'll talk our favorite like Nightfall Grandmaster and that you know because that might be be different so uh rob why don't you go first what is your favorite strike in general from d1 or d2 uh i think in general uh i will say warden of nothing um okay i agree right there (laughs) i'm just gonna throw that out there best strike i i know i've been able to kind of figure out why uh first of all i think as in terms of gms uh it is kind of one of the more interesting ones because it requires all three uh champion mods uh which makes the team composition a little more important uh because you can't just put on like the two and then have you know uh um anarchy uh because you know uh, so because you have to have if you're gonna if you're gonna try to be the guy who's got one of each you're gonna have to put an exotic on that's not anarchy because you can only put two barrier or two champion mods on your your arm so it forces you to kind of really think about the team composition uh forces Mm -hmm. you to coordinate and have a much better um communication with everybody because like oh you don't have barrier um you have to wait for the guy in your team who can pop the barrier so i i like it for um kind of the the different engagement kind of composition but the the actual main reason that i really really like it is um, during the whole first year of Destiny 2, uh, for better or for worse, I know it had a lot of kind of criticisms and, and critiques about the game, um, but there was always just kind of something about it where it didn't quite feel like, yeah, it's Destiny. Uh, it feels like Destiny, but there's like something missing. Uh, and then obviously when Forsaken came out, there was a, you know, a huge overhaul to the weapon system, to the kind of armor and, and everything that kind of went along with it. Um, and that was the the I, I distinctly remember the first time I ran that strike and you go up that that mag lift after you defeat the Minotaur and you get 
or and you defeat all the, the cabal and you get thrown into the prison of elders and it's the first time that it really felt like the two games were legitimately linked together mm. because you're actually passing through and the, you, some some jackass is going to make some like oh that's just nostalgic argument uh which i will argue and fight with someone till the end of days that no that's not nostalgia um it was just cool because you're only there for you know one part of the whole strike uh and you're just kind of passing through where it's like oh that's right you're in the prison of elders and now you're finally kind of getting a sense for how big this space is and kind of how everything's laid out and so it's cool that you get thrown into like the fallen arena and you have to do this one fight and then you go into the treasure room and then it's like oh it keeps going and then you finally get to the the final confrontation so it to me it was just kind of the first time that the games really felt linked in some like meaningful way where um you know now you're you're going through points of of areas that you've seen before and and it feels like a, a more interconnected universe and yeah you could say like well we went back to mars uh for the the second dlc um but it was a different area so it like you know it's like yeah it's mars but it doesn't have any of the 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 uh sites and and locations that you know interconnected the game other than oh yeah it's a clovis bray facility so I think Warren of Nothing did a good job of of kind of connecting the two games together and making it feel uh, like it's a more full, comprehensive universe. So that's that's why it's my favorite, because it 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 and it's a it's an engaging fight. There's a lot of just kind of fun, different types of of fights that you you encounter throughout. The trains are really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just got a lot of different things to keep the whole fight or the whole strike just interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with with what you said and um yeah what you're saying about how it keeps you know d1 and d2 connected and like you were saying at the end there i wanted to add you know just uh, so many of like the encounters in that strike are just so unique and cinematic and fun you know like the right. trains are awesome uh just from the very get-go of the whole thing it's just it's just so cool right you know one of the first things you see is the train thing and that it is it's just kind of like something very unique to that strike that no other strike has, like the, the whole yes. train thing. You hear Varix's voice, who we haven't heard since D1, to right. like incoming. And yeah, it's just cool. There's just so many cool things. And you go into the Prison of Elders, you have like a mini Prison of Elders fight. And then the boss fight is, is so unique. It's also, I think, one of the few strikes that, if not the only strike, where the boss actually talks. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't I think, think of any other boss be, that actually talks. I think you might be right. I, 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 I kind of want to. I kind of want to call you out on that and actually figure out if you're right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take that <laughs> as, an, as an action item, as it were, and figure out because I think you might be right. Um, but now I'm curious. Okay. All right. All right. You fact checked me on that, Robbie. What's your um, favorite strike overall? Um, uh, my favorite strike, I think, is the corrupted. Uh, but before I talk about that a little bit, can, that train part, uh, yeah, I love it too. It's cool. But can can Bungie please tone down the volume on those trains? It's so <laughs> loud. It's incredibly loud. It's it it doesn't have to be that loud. That's all I'm gonna say. But yeah, it's it's a really good one. But I think for me, it's the corrupted, and I didn't have the pleasure of playing during that time. But just the fact that it's, I mean, it's probably considered one of the what one of the top three hardest GMs in the game. Right. 
And but it's not hard in the way that the glassway is hard. That you know something can just come randomly charging at you and wipe you. And uh, <laughs> it's not hard in the way that you know proving grounds was hard because it was new and people were still trying to figure it out. Right. Um, so it's actually hard, hard because proving grounds became easier as time went by, and this one just remains difficult. But I think for me is also and you know going back a bit to the story, like I didn't play during that season, but I understand how it kind of worked out and how the Shattered Throne was something that you had to open and go to the actual, you know, gate and go into it, just not, you know, queue into it like we do now. And then we got the last wish and, you know, there you save two of the three Tekken sisters. And then if you actually follow the story, after you finish last wish, you should do that corrupted. Which right. is the strike where you save the the third sister and and kind of put an end to that little uh, you know line of of, of story storyline. Sorry. So for me, I think that one is like and the same thing that you were talking how it connects the game. I think I haven't had the pleasure to play a season where like an expansion came out. Like okay, I I started playing with Beyond Light. So, but none of the you know strikes, including Glassway, feels like it has such a depth as as the corrupt it has for the dreaming city and, and the last wish and how it's all interconnected like i don't think there's one right now that is just like that so the fact that it's hard and yeah maybe it also has like all these crazy spaces you know like you have to traverse the thing like really and you have like different kinds of enemies and yeah the story just makes it like you know the little cherry on top of that strike for me that a lot of people don't know and you go back to it for several different reasons because you know I, I like doing those lore runs where i will do last wish and tell people the story about you know the last wish and all that thing and then we'll do the corrupted and I'll, I'll finish the story there but also going back for people who are still hunting those eggs to right. get their their sparrow and they're like oh wow i never knew that there was an egg on the window there that just randomly drops in the middle of the strike and uh, you know, there's things to find, and, and that's why I really like it. I think it's one you can, you know, come back to for different reasons, like be a nightfall or not. Cool. I, and I, mm -hmm. I completely agree, and, and I believe, if I remember correctly, I don't think the Corrupted unlocked and became available until the last wish was completed for the first time. Yes. So it, yeah, yes, it, it, right. it is, yeah, it is explicitly, like you said, tied into the raid. Uh, and 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 that's again kind of a testament to some of the the story elements that they introduced with Forsaken and kind of the really what felt like a, a very strong attempt to sort of intertwine a lot of the events and activities and obviously with the Dreaming City and the the cycle of the the three weeks and the corruption and all that like you you feel like it and and certainly I agree when you're kind of hopping between the Ascendant Realm. And the Dreaming City. I think it's kind of the same reason why we were saying Warn of Nothing, because there's a lot of just kind of like story points where you're you're doing these kind of engaging activities as you're going in between each of the fights. So um, I I would probably put Corrupted pretty high up on my list, um, kind of for same. the reasons that you were you were iterating. Yeah, I, I like the Corrupted too. I think Forsaken Strikes in general, because yeah. the other two, Hollowed Lair. I know a lot of people don't. Don't really like, but Broodhold is yeah. also awesome. I think Broodhold's really cool. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. just for taking out the the best strikes. So sure. good. Um, um I will I, I I do want to give like a shout out. I think 
Um, I think I'll still always have a soft spot in my heart for the devil's lair. Um, obviously, because mm-hmm. like, okay, that one I will kind of secede an argument that there is a, a, a nostalgia factor because it's like the first strike. And I want to say it might be the first nightfall that I completed, like, you know, almost a decade ago at this point. Um, but I think and and maybe this will kind of lead into the next conversation. I will say I think the way they brought it back into D2 was well done um, for the reason of it's fun to play as a GM. So, but I'll I'll kind of save that. But okay, yeah, anyway. start to transition a little bit. Rob, you were saying Warden, nothing you like as a GM. Um, is it your favorite GM? Definitely not. I I find the final boss fight kind of anticlimactic uh if i were okay. to critique that that raid uh or not raid that that strike um i find the the area where you're doing the prison uh the prison of elders fight where you're actually fighting like that colossus um mm-hmm. that feels like a more interesting fight i mean ultimately you can burn him pretty quickly too uh mm-hmm. i just i find it it's unfortunate like if you're doing a gm run the best strategy is just to immediately nuke uh the the final boss but if you actually go in and play the mechanics the way they're intended where like the firestorm comes down you have to take cover and then more like colossus and minotaurs like kind of appear as the fight's going on and they're kind of fighting each other and fighting you while you're trying to take on the boss is really cool it's just if you're doing a gm run that's not the optimal strategy. You just nuke them as soon as you get in that room so you can like finish it. Otherwise, that fight gets real hairy really quickly. Uh, so I think in terms of a final boss fight, it's it's kind of disappointing. Um, I'm not saying that every single one of them needs to be like the... Uh, what's the one that we got introduced last season? Um, I'm totally blanking on the name. Where you go into the the big thresher ship. Or proving ground, proving grounds. I'm not saying every fight needs to be that level of like engagement with the boss, um, or same with like the corrupted strike. Like that, that's a pretty long-winded uh, final fight because you it has multiple stages and you have to kind of keep pursuing her. I think that's a neat idea, um, but I, I definitely am not a huge fan of the you can just immediately nuke the boss if you've got enough people with geomags. Like, so mm, I get that. Yeah. I, I respect yeah, yeah, yeah. that opinion. Uh, Robbie, do you have a favorite GM? Yes, my favorite GM. And I think maybe, well, some things I can echo straight from what Rob just said. Uh, This one does have like these stages at the last boss, which sometimes I don't like because I feel like if I'm powerful enough to nook the boss, I should be allowed to do so. Sure, uh, I get that too. That might be an interesting one. But I think this one's also really long and that gives them that freedom of just how did you say about the, the person of elders, how like some encounters are actually besides just encounters or the difficulty that they have, they're kind of tied into like the way that they play is, is uh, an element that they utilize, you know, to tell a story with how the fight actually goes. So they have like a, a sense of like, why are we doing this or why are we being led through this? And also, one of the other reasons why I love this one is because it was my first GM that I that I ever played before, you know, Adept Weapons. 
So for me, it's the Scarlet Keep. I know a lot of people kind of don't like it. I think <laughs> it's underrated. It's bit, some people feel that it's a bit too hard. And also that fact, like that the boss has like the stages at the end and then, you know, those unstoppable ogres come out and then, then if you're not, uh, if you're not, you know, prepared, <laughs> they'll really mess you up, which I think also adds to it. Like it's okay to have those stages sometimes when you're actually not just clearing trash, but, you know, it, it involves like a, a different mini fight into the whole bigger boss fight. So for me, that's that's okay. Like on on that case, I do feel like some of them like utilize it in a different way that I don't like. You know, like I can't nuke the boss. Why? Uh, but this one does, and also the aesthetic of it. Like I know so guys, cool. Like the corrupted really dreaming cool. city is always one of my favorite ones. But those ones from the moon, just I, I feel like I'm playing like it's a mix between like Halo and Doom, and but I'm a cowboy in space and <laughs> and there's demons on the moon and like it's all like all, all the architecture is great. I mean I studied the architecture so like those those like giant structures and the castle looking thing and it's all like so you know devilish and I just I just love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's making me want to play it right now actually. <laughs> yeah. I think the the music fight as well or for the music for the fight is is pretty engaging with that. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool track and and i agree with you sort of as you start off in the distance and you start to like encroach on it and then you kind of go underneath and around and you really do get a sense for like how big this thing is and how like interconnected like the the geography or geometry of like the 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 surrounding areas like holy cow and then you do kind of feel like you're storming a fortress uh when you get to the top and and so yeah i i, I think that's a good choice absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. So, you, I guess, yeah, my favorite strike. Um, favorite strike overall. Out of the ones I've played, I don't remember D1 strikes often. I don't remember which one. And I have not played Proving Grounds yet. I would say if it's not Warden of Nothing, I guess I'll pick something that's not Warden of Nothing because you already said Warden of Nothing. So I have to think about it because I really like Warden of Nothing. I think it honestly is the best strike out of Destiny, like, period. Out of D1 okay. and D2. All right. But we've talked about that a lot. But my honest opinion is that Warden of Nothing, I think, is is the best strike. My favorite okay. and the best. Out of GM, I have not played a GM. So <laughs> hard to give an opinion on that, sadly. I, I do want to give a shout out to, I think, for... Uh, for D1, if I had to kind of just choose that in a vacuum, uh, I really like the Nexus Strike, which is one of the vanilla strikes on the on Venus, uh, and that's where you have to you kind of slowly descend down into the depths uh, of Venus until you get kind of into this cool little pitted area. Um, and I don't know, I, I I've always liked that one quite a bit. The music for it's pretty fun. Um, Okay. So I just just wanted to give a little shout out to that in in terms of like D one. I, like I said, Devil's Lair is always going to be kind of because that's like the first strike that most people played. Um, but the Nexus, I think, is a a pretty well designed strike for that aspect alone. But you're allowed yeah. you're allowed to choose Warden of Nothing. Like you don't have to <laughs> yeah. feel shame about it. Well, no, I know. I was just a little shout out to talk about, but 
If we're going to do little shout outs, I would like to give uh, Lake of Shadows uh, plenty okay. of thanks for uh, letting me finish my Synology quest like really, really fast. Okay. <laughs> Four minutes completions on a track, <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous, but like, yeah, I I'm just glad it exists. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, like, I was just trying to think of something and. We kind of mentioned like my top four strikes Warden of Nothing, Brute Hold, Corrupted, Scarlet Keep, in no particular order. Um, I think those are all just good. Maybe and you I guess can tell if us I your favorite dungeon. One I vaguely remember. Favorite dungeon? Pit of Heresy. Because I think, I, think, I think it's really cool. I, like, I love, like we were talking about Scarlet Keep earlier, I love the Scarlet Keep aesthetic. Uh, I think the boss is really cool. I like the the structure of the gameplay in the sense of it follows the Raider style of building upon game mechanics, where it's like, here's one mechanic, here's another mechanic, and then let's combine them for the boss kind of style. Um, and then they have yeah, like one encounter in there that kind of splits it up. Yeah, yeah. And there's that one random one that has nothing to do with anything, which is like the ogre hallway thing. Um, Put heresy a lot. I think Shattered Throne, unpopular opinion of Shattered Throne's visual styles, really gets old kind of quick just because it feels like it's all black and white. And yeah. then uh, that's the point, but it's just, I don't know, it on me after a while. And Prophecy, I think, gameplay wise, is honestly really boring because it is the same like mechanic like the entire dungeon. Yeah. That's a hot take. I, I agree with you for the most part. Um, I think. Shattered Throne is is kind of samey. Um, I I feel like it. Sometimes it feels like it runs a little too long. Like when you when you defeat the one giant ogre boss, and like that almost feels like that should be the end. And it's like no, you have this whole extra part. Uh, and that mm. that kind of sequence when you're traversing just to get to the actual final boss. That that part I always am like. How long does this keep going? Because I, I, it just seems to always continue to go, uh, and I, I, I kind of agree with you that because that aesthetic is used in so many other places in the Dreaming City, where you, you know, you have like the Ascendant challenges and things like that, where you, you already get mm -hmm. kind of a feel for all of those. And it, to be honest, I find some of those challenges to be more interesting uh, than the actual dungeon itself. Uh, Pit of Heresy, mm -hmm. I, I like, but. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of mazes, and I don't like some of the parts where, like, I get lost every time, and I just I get kind of not in super engaged. I think the the final fight is really fun uh, and interesting, and I do like you guys said the ogre hallway where you can't damage them and you have to kind of like time things. Uh, like that's pretty fun, and the xenophage quest I think was was probably the best of the two like exotic quests that are related to dungeons. Uh, certainly, and yeah, corrupted. Oh, yeah. The 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 whole light dark mechanic gets pretty samey after a while, uh, and yeah, the although the the rainbow road race at the end is pretty fun, but that is cool. That is cool, but I think the scourge of the past uh, sparrow part was cooler. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Right. So on to our final topic, we have we're talking builds. So different builds that we have right now. Um, whether it be for PvE, PvP, uh, we can start with PvE. 
just because off the top of my head, that's, you know, the more interesting build that I have going on. I feel like PvE builds are more fun than PvP ones. But, um, but yeah, Robbie, um, do you have a PvE build right now that you're having fun with? Yes. Or that you find really, really good? I know that a lot of people are having a lot of fun with, like, Energy Accelerants. Is that the name of the one that makes, you know, explosions go more boom mm-hmm. than usual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one. Yeah, so Crown Splitter with that, and deleting champions with one heavy swing, it's, it's pretty fun. But honestly, like, I had to get rid of it just because I didn't have space on my artifact. And it's kind of a shame because there's so many good... Uh, you know, seasonal mods in the last two columns, but uh, I I main a warlock uh, as as you guys know already. So I went with like a really heavy void build and just make warmind cells with void explosions. So <laughs> it's uh, cool. it's crazy how many and and the deafening whisper does amazing with this as well. Just to you know tie back into that and why I'm looking for one. And I've been looking for one for, for such a long time this season. But basically, if you have um, the Controverse Hold, they're great, you know, for those, you know, super heavy void grenade, kill everything, spawn, like you sp- basically spawn five Warman cells at once. It, it's kind of crazy. But I've been using more the Karenstein Armlets, which heal you on a melee hit. And then you have this Deafening Whisper that kills you and make makes warmind cells so it, it, it's so cool because i was able to do some like master law sectors way easier than i could before telesto makes warmind cells with this with this mod as well which is not a gun that i an exotic that i would usually use because you know i'd rather have something else but it's just crazy how for solo play i think it, this is more like a solo build so I will go with the Karenstein armlets and just punch things to heal myself and just make Warman cells with void explosions. I think uh, try that mod in your seasonal artifact if you haven't before it goes away. Because I know we've had the Wrath of Rasputin. So, you know, Sunshot and other fun things make Warman cells as well. But void has been like a, a really, you know, trial and error kind of thing of like, looking for weapons that, that will help me do that. So there's going to be like, um, that, that, what's the name? The Graviton Lance, is, is that the name? That uh, mm-hmm. makes little purple balls everywhere. And then just <laughs> yeah. add, add Warmind Cells to that. And, and right. you have a lot of fun when you're playing on your own. Cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. I haven't, I haven't given that a try yet, but that sounds very cool. You said Deafening Whisper activates that, right? Yes. Yes, it does. I'm <laughs> going to be trying that. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Rob, what about you? Do you have a PvE build? Yeah, I've been kind of doing the the one that a lot of people have been playing with this this particular season just because it's so kind of easy and optimized because I've been doing so many Master uh, Vault of Glass and GM Nightfalls. Uh, like Eye of Another World uh, with the, the Warlock Stasis turrets uh, and then using the Firepower charged with light mods because you get your grenades so quickly um and it's it's really fun to throw those turrets up like it it warlock really does feel like it's it's falling into like the ultimate like support build um with like that the pair of boots the exotic boots that came out this season uh that throw the little healing orbs 
uh, and the ability to throw turrets down. And and so like when I was doing uh, the challenge for Vault of Glass this week, uh, I knew that I could, when we were rotating uh, to destroy our respective oracles at each kind of station, I knew that I could throw a turret when it was time to rotate and that I could help out my ally uh, and confidently know that I could get my turret back probably by the time that the next Oracle rotation came around. Um, because, you know, as you're, if you're, when you're doing the challenge, you wipe fairly often sometimes. Uh, and so you have to kind of start learning like the, the people that you're playing with their play style uh, and kind of getting a feel like, okay, well he needs more help. So I'll, I'll throw down a turret. I'll throw down a healing rift that we can both kind of stand in. So I've mainly been a hunter main throughout the entire span of of destiny one and destiny two and like the last i don't know six months i've really started gravitating towards a warlock um and and it's because that support class identity i feel like has been really uh coming out in the last like year or so and there's a lot of cool exotics that kind of support that so that's that's kind of what i've been uh using a lot this season cool cool it sounds really neat poor lumina still not being included in warlocks i know It's only because didn't even succeed at that. I I I'm hopeful that for better for worse that breach and clear is going to be away going away in a couple weeks. Maybe something will come out that that some new model come out that'll help support that. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And and one last thing I'll I'll just throw out there right that uh, is I do like to play void lock with like a controverse hold, uh, nova bomb and just constantly get grenades back using firepower with that as well um that's that's kind of a fun thing i i like using grenade heavy builds if you haven't figured that out by now um <laughs> like I, I i dump a lot into discipline probably like an unhealthy amount with respect to the other mods or or kind of stats um but i like being able to do fun stuff like overcharging a grenade and having it do stupid stuff and and causing a bunch of things to explode kind of like what you were talking about robbie like Void explosions are always the best in this game. So, yeah. One thing I would like to say though, that now that you mentioned exotics, and uh, I mean, I also love that uh, freezy turret build for the warlocks right now. I think it's like actually really cool, especially for right. GMs. But we don't have an exotic for stasis. Like the hunters got their stasis helmet for. Right. So I guess it's mostly like a PvP helmet, and. The Titans got an Stasis helmet as well that nobody uses, but they got one. And uh, yeah, <laughs> where, where's mine? <laughs> I, I I wonder if that's because, and and I, I I could be dead wrong about this. This is just kind of me kind of weighing the landscape. It seems like there's a lot more neutral exotics for Warlocks that can, like the Stasis subclass, like Claws of Ahamkara, where it's like double melees for any class. Um, like I, I kind of get the feeling that there's so many of those, like I have another world, uh, or dare I say even like the stag or Vesper of radius and things like that, where a lot of those already kind of, uh, you can synergize with stasis fairly, mm-hmm. uh, organically anyway, that maybe they had, there hasn't been as much of a rush, uh, to right. get, uh, another, I agree with you. Like, it's a bummer that there's not a, a, a stasis. Eh a stasis specific exotic yet for warlocks but there's so many things that you can do with a lot of the already existing ones that like i'm not hurting too much yet but i, I would like to see that, one but here's the point like we gravitate towards the eye of another world because it just gives you like a plus 30 
right on certain stats and it's like an invisible plus 30 but it's there right so yeah it's like a very neutral thing that it does but the fact that it, there's nothing better than just give me some free discipline please it's <laughs> not that cool because I, I and actually i think i i try to educate whenever i see one of uh, you know warlocks that i I'll help running like a gm or something and they'll do the free turret build and they'll have those gloves that say um you know your grenades do more damage and he's like that turret doesn't really do damage and right. you're not using it for damage so you're kind of wasting a an exotic there but it's like maybe they don't or i think maybe a lot of us don't understand sometimes what the exotics are actually doing for us right or you think that they do something different than what they do just because you think oh this is a grenade exotic and i'm using grenades so i'm going to use this exotic and then in reality it's actually not doing anything and so we have to fall back into like just give me plus 30 please yeah uh, that that's that's the one thing i don't like about it but then i i did think about this before and i i came to this conclusion like imagine there was a helmet for the warlock that would make the stasis turret into i mean your stasis grenade into the stasis turret i would be happy with that but it's already an aspect right right but if the if the stasis turret was like tied to an exotic i'm pretty sure we would use that instead yeah yeah i guess i don't know how to make like a, a i have a lot of ideas i don't know which one would be like a decent one but it's just kind of sad that we have to fall back to just you know plus stats oh yeah yeah, you're you're not wrong. I I completely agree that it's like because there's nothing else, just double down on your ability regen, and that'll be good enough. Uh, as opposed to, but but I'm also glad that not every exotic uh, exotic every exotic is geomag stabilizers. Also, like I you know, I, yeah. I just I I think it's cool to have some kind of we'll say like neutral class, um, things and warlocks seem to to excel at that. Um, but I agree that it would that would have been cool to get an exotic that like kind of like the uh, uh, what is it getaway artist where you can consume your grenade and get the little turret buddy where it's like, yeah, you can you can convert your grenade into a turret uh, for stasis. Um, that kind of seems like organically that that would have been uh, an exotic versus turning into an aspect. But, you know, it is what it is. I I, I complain, but warlocks are in a really good spot. So don't get oh, yeah. me wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I don't I I really don't think. I mean, you could probably say hunters are probably taking a hit this season in terms of PVE, but I think all classes have pretty good utility in PVE right now. Um, like hunters are always going to have invisibility, uh, which comes in pretty handy in in GMs, uh, even with something like Aeon Swift, where you can just get heavy ammo like drops for finishing opponents um like hunters have a clay a, a place obviously like the queerest of the falling star for titans are like if you don't know what to put on for a titan put that thing on and you're good uh so like i feel there's pretty good utility uh i like the gms that i've been running this week there's been a healthy balance of all three classes that i've i've been seeing so yeah, I guess that falling is, uh, you know, is the Geomax for the Titans right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a hawk, I am making invisibility, and I am actually using a skull paired with oh. empowering, empowered finish paired with protective light. So yeah, I can kind of run around and, and 
finish pull off while simultaneously going invisible, healing, and getting a track of protective light. Which all is just a whole survivability thing. Yeah. And I think that maybe pairing that with Middle Tree Night Stalker, which has flawless execution, where you can headshot people and go invisible if you're crouching. And I think there's another thing on there that I think it's something to I don't I forget what it's called, but you at least do more damage after performing a melee or after performing a flawless execution. And Assassin's Cow, I don't know how this will work, but meleeing people will also activate invisibility and healing. So right. just a lot of going invisible. And then protective okay. light is, is really good. So sure. That's very nice. I love when uh, you know you can figure out these things that just feed off of each other and and create like this healthy loop that fits your playstyle. That sounds yep. pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It has been a lot of fun. I'm still working on perfecting it, at least in high end content. Because yeah, I believe the thing with this build is that it doesn't. It's not a lot of fun in lower end content because there's not a whole to go invisible all that often, which makes it kind of boring. So, like, Gravitons yeah. warm ourselves sound a lot more fun in lower-end content than invisibility. But it's still... I'm enjoying it. Cool. That's my, it's my Hunter build, at least. Do you guys have nice. any PvP builds? <sighs> I personally... I have just a thrown-together... Nothing special. I don't know if you guys have anything. Uh, I typically just do powerful friends and radiant light on everything because getting that extra mobility and strength is is so helpful. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I get that. But I feel, and I'm I know there's people that can prove me wrong on here. I feel like builds are not as easily executed in uh, PvP because a lot of them are so like circumstantial. Um, sure. That yeah. that yeah. it's like it's hard to get something going. I will say some of the more like like seeing people go on like these crazy tyrannical raids with like syntheseps. Uh, I I always love to do uh, sun warrior like sunspot builds with a phoenix cradle when I'm playing uh, PvP. Like that's always kind of a fun one. Just making sunspots all over the field um, and. Uh, and I hate saying admitting this, but it's fun to use Yotun uh, explicitly because it makes the sunspots and you can get some really nasty uh, things going by by getting a kill with Yotun and then that generates a sunspot. And if you've got Phoenix Cradle uh, and again, that too, because you can you can empower allies who stand in your sunspots, although it's not always obvious if it's an ally sunspot. So you don't necessarily want to be so quick to run into it uh, and get torched. Uh, mm-hmm. But in in terms of like all the other kind of associated stuff that goes along with that like getting charged with light doesn't happen super often in pvp and when it does it's awesome especially if you've got like high energy fire um, because it does you know lower the time to kill typically or makes it a lot easier um but it it doesn't typically seem to happen as as frequently as obviously something like it does in pve and the fact that you can't use war mine cells which is probably a good thing in pvp um so it 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 feels a little more restricting, um, which is why I don't spend as much time kind of like theory crafting, if you will, when it comes to to PvP builds. But oh, I, yeah. you know, I I would love for to hear and see some of the stuff that people have done. I'm sure it's disgusting. Some of the things you can get going if you if you build it just right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I haven't really messed with it either. Robbie, have you had any experience with successful PvP builds at all? I have one that is kind of interesting, but I think it's more about like feeling into myself. Like, yeah, of course I have high energy fire on it and, and things like that, but, but I guess it's. I do use Ophidian aspects on my Warlock, and maybe it's the same thing that we talked about, the Eye of Another World. It's just like, it's going to give me faster reload, right. it's going to give me faster aim down sights, and it's just doing these little things, you know, that it's not doing anything specific and anything incredibly crazy, but it's just making my, you know, neutral gameplay a bit better. So with some of the mods not working into it, I think... Working into like the rift for me was like one thing that I really liked. Like, just putting down a rift gives me grenade back, and right. then throwing my grenade, you know, is gonna give me my rift back, and I can just keep doing that. And then I might have something that, like, having my rift when I'm near to enemies is also so these kind of things that rely more on what I do rather than getting the kills. Um, and then feeding myself of that to try to get that high energy power. I think that's mostly what I would gravitate to uh, in regards to an actual PvP build. Yeah. I just put on Wormhusk Crown, and I put on targeting, and that's it. Yeah. That's about it. I I will say I have done some pretty fun, stupid stuff with... um, I'll put Omnioculus on and do a uh, bottom tree night stalker and just if if i'm doing like six stacks in iron banner i'll just constantly make my entire team invisible uh and you get so much grenade energy when you when you make that many people invisible at a time that i'm just constantly lobbing grenades and i will try to do a like a legitimate zone control build where i put a lot into uh strength uh just so i'm i'm constantly hawking uh like smoke bombs at at allies to keep that invisible uptime like constantly and you do get good sometimes like you're you know the radar is just throws people off enough that you can get the advantage on someone and, and get close and, and shotgun them um but I, I don't know if i'd necessarily call that a build it's more of a just like screw around setup that's like makes me laugh because like i'll i'll be playing with people and they're like are you using omnioculus and pvp and i'm like yeah you're welcome uh, and it's it's entertaining. <laughs> That's funny. Do you guys, speaking of builds, I guess this isn't so much theory crafting as it is um, fashion. Do you guys mess around with transmog at all? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. previewing everything. And even if it's something I haven't unlocked yet, I just like previewing it, making my theory crafted builds look pretty is fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the first thing it. I... Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, I love the interlaced, the interlaced arms. I think it's called interlaced. Whatever the splicer ornament is for the season pass, has these little light up like neon, like lines that go down the arm, and it's also on the chest. It's on the more prominently on the on the cape, and it's like animated, and it's very cool because shaders actually change the color of like the neon lights that stream down your arm. Yes, just stupid stuff, but. Very cool to me. Yeah. No, I... I uh, what? Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted earlier. No, 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 it's fine. Finish your thought. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, as soon as I got... Because Shattered Vault Cloak was my favorite cloak from D1. 
Uh, and so as soon as I got that in Vault of Glass, I, I transmogged it and I've subsequently just put that on every cloak that I own for my hunter. Cause it's like, <laughs> why, why am I going to wear anything else? Just cause I, I absolutely love the kind of the spine shape thing that goes down the length of the cloak. Uh, and I think it takes shaders like exceptionally well. So I was excited that that was like, not going to lie that the thing that I was looking forward to with Vault of Glass coming back more than anything, I was like, sh sh uh, Shattered Vault Cloak better not be oh, altered at all. Uh, so <laughs> I'll be I'll be the terrible hunter here. And uh, uh, you know, the season of the wait, no, wait, was it last season? Yeah. Uh, so we had this cabal looking oh, no. cat that looks like a Christmas hat, you know, which one I'm talking about. Right, so so if you yeah. wear that one with the there's an ornament that looks like all like cyberpunk looking from season of the splicer that you can buy off of Eververse, or I guess from for brightest uh, some pieces came out. So if you wear that helmet, I don't know why, but they made it so that it blocks whatever is on top of it. So if you have a cloak that has a cape and a hood, the hood disappears. Yep. So if you oh. have that helmet on and put that other ornament from last season on top. You have no cloak at all, and, and no hood, and no nothing. And this it's, still it's works. Just, yeah, yeah, it works. It, it works. works. It's, it's so just like that. Yeah. No, it, I have my, I have my my pants with my little booties, and I have my yellow sweater, and I don't have a cloak, and I look like I came from Star Trek, and I'm gonna probably get killed because I have a red sweater. There you <laughs> go. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm the cloakless hunter. I I yeah. I don't like the cloak, man. I, I love Batman and stuff, but yeah, I, I don't feel like I deserve a cape. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> you don't deserve a cape. No, that's. Are you okay? Is there yeah. is there a discussion we need to have off air? Yeah. No, I, I think <laughs> uh, yeah. It's whenever I get like a pair of boots for my warlock, for example, because my warlock's like a female character, right? And I'm like, oh great, a new pair of heels, and everybody kind of freaks out, but <laughs> it's the truth, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why not? We're oh, playing Barbies yeah. here. It, it's fun. It. <laughs> it's fun to, to play with the with the little clothes and, and make my character look uh, like I enjoy it looking. And I love that hunter because it looks like it shouldn't be there. Like I remember taking it into like Master Vault of Glass, and we're at Atheon, and everybody was switching their gear around to have like the Vault of Glass mods and all this thing, and everybody was looking all you know like copper armor and these like plate pieces everywhere. And I just had like plain office, you know, slacks and a sweater with no cape. And they were like, are you sure you're here to fight? And I was like, I mean, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It, yeah. One thing, I, I'm just obligatory, bring back D1 thing, but the, the Crota armor is so cool. I want more police because I think it's always thing that glows in this game's solstice are are you talking about like the uh the ornaments from like age of triumph yes 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 okay. the ones with the space yeah i i really like that they added the uh when you got hit they'd like kind of shatter and disappear until your shields came back i thought that was a really uh, cool touch i did uh, not know that happened. that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah yeah uh and i i agree with you i think i think a lot of people were we'll say naively hoping uh, that the ornaments that got that came with Age of Triumph were going to come with Vault of Glass because some of those were pretty cool. Like the hunter got like the Vex leg, um, and the mm -hmm. I know like the 
the warlock cloak got like the f- kind of floaty tendrils behind them, uh, which were all really cool. I mean, they they totally nailed it with Age of Triumph. We'll talk about that another another podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But I I agree. I I there's some really good armor aesthetics from from some of the raids from D1 that I, I would not be disappointed if they brought back. I know a lot of people want like all new content, but there's some stuff that just looks so good in, in D1. And uh, yeah, it would be it'd be cool to kind of see it like maybe morphed and, and evolve in some way where it's like it takes the kind of the spirit behind some of that and adds because, yeah, I agree with you. Those glows. Hell, I even liked Chroma quite a bit uh, from D1. I thought that was kind of a neat thing that they've never really gone back to but anyway again another topic for another day mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but yeah no I, I agree with you i think the the crota's end armor was was pretty awesome there's something i don't have that i wish i could get that it's old there's a and i guess it ties to transmog a little bit but there's a shader that is green and it glows a oh. lot from gambit i don't remember the name exactly but it's gambit something right I think and Gambit, Gambit Emerald or something like that. Gambit Emerald, yeah, something like that. And it makes these new ones and the one from the the the, the Guardian games glow so much. It's especially on the Hunter Cloak, I think. Yep. I think it's the, the, the most glowy shader out there and I can't get it. So that makes me a bit sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it gives it a really uh, like rich silvery green and yeah, the the glows on it are and that's speaking of chroma that's, I mean, probably the closest comparison that we've got with with D two is kind of the way that it illuminated certain pieces of your armor, uh, like especially like kind of the face covering on helmets and things like that, where it would like illuminate in a really neat way. Uh, well, I this agree. This one was broken though. This one, did you see videos of people using that on uh, with the Guardian Games uh, Hunter Cloak on PvP? Like actually, even on the on the tower, I think just you know look up a video somewhere. Like, if a hunter had that shader and all the Guardian Games armor on in the tower, the shader was so bright that it would make the the lightning of the whole tower be dimmer, so it, it, the place would look yeah. darker, and he would just, like, glow <laughs> and be like, I'm here, please admire me. Uh, it would mess with the lighting in the game. It's, that, that's how bright that thing is. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> it was pretty to... awesome. That's so funny. It's like a whole beacon. That's awesome. I one of the ones I really like is uh shaders that have like animated elements too. Like uh Bergusian Mate from Black Armor. It's like a purple yep. one and it's got like an animated like gradient texture to it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, any of the kinetic black armor shaders are, are great. Yeah. And I think like the other black army shaders do similar things. Um they kind of like if that animated gradient they have that like radiance effect that you that used to be in the game where you like added it to like black armor and you kinda of had the radiance element oh, yeah, um, yeah. to armor through that shader. I think I think tribe shaders have those. Oh and Rasmussen, whatever. Those are cool. Definitely. Some of my favorite music. This this discussion shifted from gameplay to fashion. And you gotta look good when you're, you know, killing your aliens in yeah, space. When you're pop, yeah, when you're popping alien heads, you gotta do it with, with some pride and style. <laughs> the last thing they see has gotta be pretty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give it's them something mercy. to remember. I call it mercy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So we're kind of coming up to the end of the show here. I will leave it open to you guys. Is there any anything else you want to add that's just burning to get out that didn't really apply to any of our previous topics? Uh, no. That didn't apply, no. But one thing, just to finish this topic about looking good while killing aliens, it just reminded me <laughs> of this meme I saw of Saint-14 like going around you know, the tower saying... Uh, how do they call those little elixir babies? Like he was like he was small, a small monster, small. Yeah. and they, everybody was afraid of him. You know, it's cause he looked cool. So, yeah, <laughs> they, they remember him because <laughs> he looked that, cool. Yeah, that's that's all I need. Okay. Yeah, I I want to see Saint in a suit at some point. <laughs> of course, I we're digging out of that immediately after that line, right? well anyways that's about it um thank you guys for listening thank you rob and robbie for both joining me today and talking destiny as usual and um we'll see you guys next monday peace ciao questions comments or something else you want to say email us at eventideradio at gmail.com or get in touch with us at any of our twitter handles all of which can be found in our podcast description